you know, and um, because of that, I kind of relate to uh, just this, these times where we really try to pull a lot of our students and, and even people younger than that and those who are that into the ministry. We feel like the very best way to expose them to the, the reality of Christ and what God's doing in the church is just to put them in there. You know, not just teach them all the time and do kind of the same uh, redundant things, but we, we involve them in ministry and we, we let them, you know, make decisions and do things. And it's kind of fun sometimes. We have a share time coming up this Wednesday night. There's a thing called Cafe, and it's be totally student-led. Uh, and when they share... Those of us who are like, you know, my age or a little younger or older, we, we sit and listen and we go, oh, that's good. That's so good that you did. That's God bless you. You know, and you know how you talk to a child uh, because they're a little less mature sometimes and the way they express themselves, it just comes across like that. But it's so funny driving here today. I'm just, I'm feeling that. I'm coming down 40 and I'm thinking, I'm that guy now. Because I knew there were going to be some mature believers here and some of you who have understood uh, the crucified life a lot longer than I have and in a deeper way, a more intimate way than I have. And I thought, I'm like that second grader. <laughs> and you're, the, you're like, that's good, man. That's so good that you're at this place in your life and you're finally getting it. That's awesome. But that's the way I feel. Um, this has been kind of a, a cumulative thing, and I've just started preaching this. And I always get up and I always tell my folks when I'm preaching to them, you know, and I say, uh, I promise I'm not going to preach about this every time I get up. This is not all I'm going to teach. But let me tell you this. Let me just tell you this one other thing. There's one other thing i got to tell you. And then I start telling about, you know, just what Jesus has done for us at the cross and how we identify with that and our life is exchanged and just how beautiful that is and how devastating it is to our old self and and uh, I was teaching on that, and it kind of came to this point where uh, I was ready to preach this message, and I'd been doing this thing, it's kind of silly, where I just thought, I just need to keep it in my head, you know, stay fresh to it. So I just started saying it out loud. Whenever something, somebody pulled out in front of me on Kingston Pike, you know, and I start to react, and I just go, you know what, I'm dead to that. <laughs> Old Dan would have, that would have upset him. That guy's dead, he's gone. New Dan, I don't even care. You know, so I just started saying, I'm dead to that. And it kind of became a joke in my family. So I preached on it. I preached a message and said, I'm dead to that. And I said, I told everybody, I said, I want you to say it out loud this week. I said, don't be afraid of, you know, your children, your classmates, your roommates are going to think you're, you know, a little weird. I said, just say, just say, just stop and just think about who you are in Christ and what's happened to now God and just say, I'm dead to that out loud. So I started doing that. And then I started getting all these emails and people were going up going, Oh, Pastor Dan, I, I, I was in this circumstance, this situation, and I just said, I'm dead to that. And just I could just feel the Holy Spirit agreeing with me, you know. And it's so funny because Sunday night uh, we were pulling out of our driveway. We have an awesome community group, just beautiful people that we're sharing life with and just living, living life together with these folks. And my neighbor has this little dog, and this little dog runs over to my yard all the time. And in the beginning, they were real discreet, or they would pretend like, oh, our dog is in your yard. We have no, it's never happened before. And, and they pretend like, and, and I know because I watch from the kitchen window, 
when I'm not out there, they don't have that response. You know, that reaction, they're just like, yeah, go out and do your, do your deal. <laughs> and, now, and they just let this dog do, and I'll just be discreet because we just ate lunch, but it, the dog does whatever the dog wants to do, everything the dog wants to do. And, and they just let it do, do that. So we're backing out, and there's a little dog that runs over in my backyard, and I just said, I can't believe that. I said, they're not even pretending anymore to care. They just, they just our yard is... Our, their place, you know. And, um, and my wife, who's just, I, I can't wait for you to meet her. She's such a sweetheart. But she, she pats my arm in this real spiritual, <laughs> condescending way. And, and says, oh, but it's so good that you're dead today. <laughs> yeah. I'm dead to that. And I said, if he does it again, he's going to be dead. <laughs> I said, the only difference in our death is that he's going to be buried in the woods. He's still going to be in there. But this is this fresh, beautiful new awareness of what, what Christ has done in my life and what he's doing in our lives. Uh, that I want to appropriate that because I feel like, and I've felt this way my whole Christian experience. I've always felt like I'm behind. I'm always catching up. Uh, and I feel like to best express kind of how that's working for me is to wrap that up in story because I think we're people of story and one of the things I figured out with with my folks or anywhere else and uh, we do a lot of mission projects Calvary is all about missions and you know if I go somewhere and I go here's my you know one two and ABC under that and then I've got you know people will start but if but if I stop and just tell a story and say hey you know what happened to me one time people kind of lean into that and they go oh I had something like that happen to me. I think we're just we're wired that way. Amen. So I thought, as, as I'm trying to put, put my thoughts together, and I'm already so intimidated by you, uh, <laughs> I thought, I can tell a story. <laughs> you know, I can do that. Um, I, I, how would I mess that up? You know, just tell a story. So I thought, okay, Lord, if you give me the liberty um, and continually, then I just want to tell my story. And uh, driving here, I just prayed. And I said, Lord, it's so funny that you would let me do this because I feel... I don't, I don't even know how to express that. Just like I'm going back, I'm starting all over. I told Dr. Solomon, I said, I feel like I'm starting my ministry all over. And our youth pastor came in the office the other day, and we were talking about things. And, uh, and boy, he's right behind me. And he showed up in my office one day, and he goes, Hey, I don't know what's going on with you. I don't know what's happened to you, but I want in. <laughs> okay, you're in. Come here. Come here. And I start drawing circles. And, you know, um, he came by yesterday, and I said, oh, please get this. Please get this, because he's like, I don't know, 31 or 2. And I said, wow, don't be me. Don't be this guy. You know, when I'm looking back on 30 years of ministry, and thinking and just wondering how much of that. I think God's done a lot of good things. I'm not going to be trying to be falsely, you know, modest or, you know, immodest. Either way, I hope. I'm just asking God to keep me on target. But um, a lot of that's going to burn up. Hmm. Uh, my assistant told me just recently, she said, you know, you hit a thousand messages. And I go, what? Because she, she kind of enters those for me and puts them in a format where I can refer back to them. She said, you've done a thousand messages. I just sat for a minute and I thought, Wow, about 950 of those are just going to burn up like toast. I'm going to get to heaven and go, I did a thousand messages, and God's going to say, nah, we got you down for 50. That's about it. 
And about 30 of those are really shaking. <laughs> <laughs> just on places of grace. Yeah. We're going to let them in. Man, I don't know. But Calvary is just a, it's just a beautiful place. I'm enjoying the ministry there and the people whose lives God's let me share. And uh, we're, we're a young church. We're kind of a contemporary church. I don't know. Some of you may or may not like that. Dr. Solomon and his family showed up one Sunday and went, Oh, Lord, <laughs> please don't let them rock out too much today. <laughs> but he's sitting there. He's, yeah, he's been to it. But uh, this, is a sweet, this is a sweet place. Um, I never dreamed, and I've always thought that me being in ministry, that that is like God's best joke on the church. You know? <laughs> We're going to get to heaven one day, and people are going to go, Ah, you called him in the ministry? And go, yeah, is this a big joke. Um, and, and I say that kind of lightheartedly, but I say it in a sense that, you know what I carry with that is this thing in me that says, you shouldn't be up here. Mm-hmm. And I know that. I know that in a realistic way, and I know it in a metaphorically way. You know, I, I get that. And by now, I've been up here for a few minutes, you get that, right? <laughs> I was just thinking, is this, is this you know, just a real low-budget year? <laughs> but um, my, my whole journey began, I, I was, uh, and this is going to sound a little cliche, but I, I wasn't in a Christian home. We were Christian at Riley funerals, and if you if you want to go to a good funeral, go to a Riley funeral. <laughs> oh my goodness, we suddenly all become Christian, and the person who died becomes the most saintly wonderful, no matter what you've known or heard about them. You know, you and, and you've seen their whole life, and all of a sudden they're just this perfect, beautiful person. Everybody who used to gossip about really loved them, and everybody's Christian. So I was raised in that kind of environment. Uh, so so being a Christian was something different than. What it really is. I knew that you say this magic prayer and you get baptized, and then, boom, you're a Christian and you go to heaven, and that's kind of all there was to it. Really confused about that. Um, I was playing on a little league team, and you know, some of my buddies kept inviting me to go to this thing at their church. And so I went. It was an organization for boys, kind of like Boy Scouts. And to be honest, I had been kicked out of Cub Scouts that's, that's, that's for fighting. It's just, I, uh, I'm not even going to go there. But um, so I went and, and enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And, and there was a guy there who worked with these boys. His name was Mr. Carpenter. And Mr. Carpenter kind of caught me one night doing some stuff and Anyway, he said, hey, why don't you come back next week? I always rode my bike to church and back. My family didn't attend. and I, I couldn't stay for this thing he wanted me to stay for because afterwards it gets dark and there's woods behind my house and you've got to drive your bike through the woods. That's where the monsters live. I'm not do it. It's not worth the risk. He said this, you know, and I don't know, God just gave him insight. He said, hey, I'll tell you what, if you'll stay next week, we're having a movie. We're going to show a movie. And if you'll stay and watch that movie... Um, I'll put your bike in the back of my truck and I'll give you a ride home. Uh, okay. Uh, well, the movie, you know how Christians always say stuff like that? They always say it's a movie and it's really a Billy Graham film. <laughs> it's not a movie. You know, but I, I bought into it and I went to the movie. And at the end of that movie, I prayed to receive Christ. And I, I believe that was real. I kind of struggle with that sometimes. Where What happened to me when I was 11 years old? But I, I went to that and, and I believe it was real. Now, here's something that happened. The guy who was there as the pastor, you know, at the end, I'm standing there, I'm scared to death. It's a church probably about the size of this room. 
you know, but to me it looked like a cathedral. I mean, it was just, I was just so frightened. I was just a shy little guy, and, and I'm standing there, and the pastor said, what do you think's happened to you? And it just kind of came to me, and I said, I think I've been saved. You know, I heard people use that terminology, and I, thought, I said, I think I've been saved. And everybody laughed, and that embarrassed me, so I started crying. And I, I remember this part. He leans down. He's a really tall man in a black suit. Is that not, you know, and I'm just this little guy. He leans down. And he said, and you're going to live for Jesus, right? And I'm sobbing. And I said, yes. And I meant that. With all my heart, I meant that. I'm going to live for you, Jesus. But tucked away. And he's a dear man. I want to honor him. I think he's probably going to be so far ahead of me in the line when I get to heaven. But there was something dangerous inserted into that moment. Mm-hmm. You see, I began to be taught you need to live for Jesus. Right. Amen. Amen. Well, by the time cold weather came and I couldn't ride my bike anymore, I pretty much dropped out and stayed dropped out and, until after high school. I didn't go back. There was no pressure to in my family. In fact, it was just the other way. It's just a subtle thing. We'd go to the lake a lot and, you know, just I just didn't go back. I think I was always interested in spiritual things and would even find myself at some of my worst moments. Uh, and I'm just so ashamed of it, things I did and all of that. Uh, but I would pray. Isn't that the weirdest thing? That somehow prayer seemed to be, it, it stayed with me and it stayed natural. And I've heard Christians say, oh, we need a prayer seminar. We need to learn how to pray. And I, I can remember even in college thinking, Wow, that just doesn't come so naturally to me. Yeah. I don't understand why you're trying to figure that out. Yeah. How, do, how do we pray? I can't, there's 50 other, 100 other things I can't do. And I'm always going, I have no... And, and all my friends about the time I got to college would come up and go, so what's your spiritual gift? And I go, my what? Your spiritual gift? Oh, I guess I'm running. <laughs> I'm really fast. I think that's my spiritual gift. I was so... Yeah, I didn't know anything and still don't. But... Um, but as I grew, uh, I just that was a part of my life that was sort of absent. And by the time I got 19, I was hanging out with this guy, and his name was Mike, and he had become a Christian. He had become a genuine, born-again follower of Jesus. And I loved this guy. We were good friends. And he didn't turn spooky, or he didn't start acting crazy, or wearing funny clothes, or anything. He was still Mike, but there was just something about him. Something about him, and I know this part really sounds cliche, but I knew I didn't have it. And I couldn't even, I don't even ask you, I'd quiz him on it. So what does it feel like? So what did you do? You know, and I'm just trying to, and he would just smile, it's just, just a brother. And, but he got me to go into church, and I, I went one time, it was a disaster, because the guy was real judgmental. And I looked like a freak, maybe because I was a freak. <laughs> and, and, I just, and I would go in, there's all these sweet older ladies and all these people in this church, and I'd walk in, you could see them go, <gasps> get the children, <laughs> they're going to get on drugs if they get around that guy. I was just, I was out there. And um, Mike took me courageously to this little church, and, and this guy just said some unkind things. And I, and, I, and I said, just what I thought, hey, Mike, Self-righteousness, I don't need that. That's, I've got enough of that. Thanks, but no thanks. Went away. Didn't come back for six more months. When I came back, I had a totally different experience. And I've always, uh, I've always accused him of, uh, I said, I think you went in and gathered everybody up and said, okay, everybody, I need you to be nice. <laughs> this guy's on the line. He's seeking, and, and you're messing this up. But everybody was really sweet to me, and 
Um, I, I, don't, I don't know, but I went away as partying, and it was Easter weekend, and even in my culture, it was kind of the thing to do to go on Easter. So we got up, seriously, in our party clothes and went to church. And don't remember that morning. It was kind of foggy, uh, but went away. Came back that night, and I had no idea. None of my friends did. But I felt drawn or compelled to come back that evening, so I went back. And I'm standing back there in the back of the church. You know, I'm one of the, the cool, hip people, and I'm, I'm standing there. And toward the end of the service, this girl standing next to me takes my hand. I'm thinking, hey, baby, you know. <laughs> But I notice she's not looking at me. She's not being flirty. Her head's down. Her eyes are scrunched up. And she's going. Now later I find out that's what Christians do when they're really praying. You know? The guy next to me takes my hand. I'm going, whoa. He's doing the same thing. I didn't know that this group had gathered ahead of time and had covenanted together. It just breaks my heart. And um, said, we're going to pray for Dan until he comes to Christ. And one guy in the group said, I'm not going to eat or drink. He just got so bold until, until he comes to Jesus. And the, the minister later told me, he goes, I thought, oh, no. He says, I thought, you're never, you know, and this guy's going to get skinny. <laughs> but that night, towards the end of the service, I don't know what. I just, I just, if you're, you had this happen, right? Because you're so far ahead of me. I just felt myself moving out. And I thought, what am I doing? I'm going forward. I'm, and I thought, oh, no, I don't even like this, and I don't want to, and I just, but it was, an, it was this altar call, and I go down to the front, and I'm standing there, and I just drop down to my knees, and I had no idea what to do next. I had seen people do that, and I thought, no, it wasn't supposed to happen. And I guess somewhere in me, I knew that this is, I should pray. And my friends are in front of me because I was so out of church, I didn't know anything about protocol. I didn't know when to, you know, stand up when you sing, and I go, well, why is everybody getting up? Oh, we're sitting back down. Why are we doing this? And I just, I didn't get it. But I fell on my knees, and all I knew to pray was the first thing that came to my head, and I said, God, would you make me like Mike? Hallelujah. And something happened in me. It just washed over me. It just felt like I was 11 again. I thought, there you are. You're back. And I remember David said in Psalm 139, when I woke up and you were still with me. And it's just like the Lord said, I'm still, I'm right here, and I've been thinking about you every day. Uh, my life began to change. Six months later, I, I felt the call to ministry, and I went to did that. And six months later, I find myself in a Christian university. I know I'm so far behind spiritually, and I was teaching this group of boys. And I would I would show up and I'd say, guys, I've got this incredible story to tell you today. I'm going to tell you about. There was this this was boy named David, and one time David had to go up against a guy, and he's a giant. And one of the little boys would shout out, Goliath. I go, yeah, you've heard this. <laughs> yeah, we know this. You know this story? They go, yeah, we know this story. I thought, because I'm reading scripture, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, they're going to love it. They're going to love it. And the next week I'd come back and go, okay, today I'm going to tell you about this guy. And he was in a storm and he got swallowed by it. They go, Jonah. I go, you've heard this one too. <laughs> How many of these stories do you know? They go, we know all of these. Where have you been? And I said, well, not here, obviously. So I start trying to catch up. And, and in that, in a Christian university atmosphere and in the church where I'm going, there's something that begins. And I'm just thinking this out loud. I'm just thinking this is where it starts, that I'm... I'm feeling this pressure to conform and to live up to the expectations of the people around me. Yes. We had revival teams every weekend, and I'd go on these, and they'd say, now you're going to preach, and you sing, and you play piano, and you do this, and they'd get to me, and they'd go, Dan, you, uh, you're going to work with the youth, and you're going to play games, and, they, you know, 
And I'm still, and I thought, okay, I'm going to cut my hair, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some clothes. I'm, I start, I start figuring out that if I want into a different level or a, a place of ministry, I need to be like these people. Mm-hmm. And folks, that began, and, and uh, again, something a little dangerous began to happen in my life. And as my Christian yeah. friends, God bless them, they just helped me so much. But as they would begin to uh, say, hey, Dan, I thought I heard you stop drinking. I go, yeah, we're like at a pizza place, and I'm throwing back it, and they're going, what is that? And I go, it's just a beer, why? That's that's alcohol. Now, I don't want to get. I don't know where you are and what denominations we have here. So I'm not going to get sidetracked by whether you drink or not. But for me, I thought, well, this is this isn't drinking. They go, yeah, that is. I go, oh, okay. Well, I didn't know. I just thought the other stuff was. I thought what I was drinking was drinking. And, okay, <laughs> what else? And they said, well, as long as you ask that word you just said, that's a bad word. I said, really? Well, and they go, no, don't say it again. <laughs> Yeah, I get my list going. You know, yeah. you get your list going in your head, and you start thinking, do's, don'ts, do's, don'ts, and I, I start living by that, mm. and I start ministering by that, and I don't know what's happening, but at that time, it's like the fullness movement or the deeper life movement, and all the, I'm hearing these guys, I'm hearing all these these guys who are my champions, and and I, I know now, they every one of those those speakers and teachers. They got it from this guy right here. Exactly. They got Amen. it from Chuck Amen. Uh, and I'm seeing that in their writings and in their and I going back and listening to messages. I'm going, hey, I know <laughs> you got this from ministers. I know, and it's, and that's because that's where I'm getting it too. But I start doing that, and I get go keep going into ministry, and I'm in this church, and I don't feel 100 percent accepted. You know, I feel a little bit, and I'm battling that. That root of rejection and that thing we carry in us since we're kids. And I'm feeling that. Am I measuring up? And, um, and in, in my heart, I'm thinking, I'm going to be a good pastor to you. I'm going to be there at the hospital. I'm going to be there when your babies are born. I'm going to do your weddings. I'm going to bury you. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do everything. And I'm going to speak from my heart. I'm going to be as honest a real a guy. I'm not going to mess up morally. I'm not going to be in the paper. I'm, you know, I'm just I'm checking everything off mm-hmm. to be the guy. And at the end of the day, it's just it's working, but it's not working. You know, and some of my friends ended up in these huge churches. I mean, like thousands of people, and I found myself not. It's just like a twinge of comparison. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm looking at them thinking, well, why is he in that big old church? And, and I know there's guys looking at me going, we think your church is really big. And I'm thinking, no, my church isn't big because I'm not a good pastor. And I'm, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try harder. Try. I'm going to preach better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read more scripture and I'm going to pray longer and I'm going to lead more people to Jesus. And, and I just got into that. Mm-hmm. And went through it at the time, just struggling personally with some issues. And I called a friend, uh, Charlie Grigsby. He's he's the leader of Shore Ministries. Uh, Dr. Gray Allison's son-in-law, who was the president of Mid America Seminary, where I got my master's degree. Um, and I said, Charlie, I just I need to talk to you. And he said, No, you need to talk to a guy. He said he actually lives right there next to you. <laughs> he lives in Pigeon Forge. Um, his name's Chuck Solomon. 
I said, okay, who is he? I, I didn't know who he was. And he said, he's only written about a dozen books, and he's, you know, he's only... And, I, and again, I feel like, yeah, well, I should have known all this. And he said, this is the funny thing, he said, um, now when you go to see him, and I, I called, and, and Dr. Solomon said, okay, I want you to read this book before you come by, because then you'll kind of be, you know, ahead of the game, and uh, do this and do this. And, and then Charlie said, now he's, he's probably in his 70s. You need to know. So I get there, and, and there's Dr. Solomon. And in, in the very first, like, ten minutes, he goes, like, I'm 82. And I'm like, yeah. amen, you know. <laughs> because that would probably be about the age of my dad if he had lived. So it was just real sweet because something in me, too, because I'm surrounded by young guys. I'm the old guy. God knew that if, if somebody appear. Or somebody younger, I may have listened to them, I may have respected them, or I may have thought, I know as much as you know. Mm-hmm. I know everything you know. I read what book? Oh yeah, I read that. What conference? Yeah, I've been there. You know, I just not not in an arrogant way, but I just I don't know if I would have received it. And I read this book, and and it just captured my heart, and and it just everything made sense. And then I came to see him, and he, and he gets out that yellow legal pad. I see some of you have seen that legal pad. And he starts drawing. And it's like all of a sudden, I'm just mesmerized. My heart, my soul, my brain, it's all captured. And I'm watching him do this, and it all comes together. And I say, can I keep that? And I do that just about every time I come talk to him, which is every two or three weeks. Can I keep that? Can I keep that? Well, I go home. That was on a Monday. Thursday night, I find myself at home. My wife and my daughter at Zumba at our church, which is hilarious. And my son is playing softball, and my other son's working at Chick-fil-A. So I'm at the house by myself, which is kind of rare. And I'm sitting there, and, and I'm looking at this crumpled up, unfolded yellow legal pad. And it just hits me. Hallelujah. It just hits me. And here was the difference. And here's how I could tell that God was doing something fresh. Because every time I would always pray, God, I just want to be your man. Lord, I want to be yours. And Lord, I want to be the... And, 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 and that night, I just I started to go into my routine, you know, my prayer. God, I want to be, I want to be all yours. And the Lord just seemed to say, why don't you take that little southern I want to be out of your prayer? Amen. I just sat there. Boy, I just started weeping. And I said, Lord, this may be the first time I've prayed this. I said, I am. Yes. Yes. Fully surrendered to you. The the Holy Spirit just washed over me. I went back to my staff. That was on... Thursday night, well, Sunday I pray, and this is the funniest thing, and I'm trying to, I need to speak this up, you think, oh my goodness, he's going to be here all afternoon. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, I preach Sunday morning, I'm doing a series on Jacob, it's a beautiful, strong story, powerful series in our church, I mean, there's every week, God's doing something new, well this week they have no idea what's coming, uh, I didn't even tell my wife, but we're at the part of the story in Jacob's life where Jacob wrestles with God, uh-huh. and God defeats him, and he, you know, he, Jesus touches him in his hip and he lifts. I get to this place in the message and I just stand up and say, folks, you know me. I've been your pastor for years. You know I'm not a bandwagon guy. I don't chase fads. I don't jump on this. and the, you, know, you know I'm pretty solid. So when I tell you something, 
that's important, you know, I'm not just doing preacher talk and that every week you get that, you know, like bigger, better, greatest, latest, and all that. I said, I just need to tell you, I am Jacob. And I lost control of my emotions and I just kind of wept and I just stood there. I said, I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob. I said, but now I'm Israel. Yes. And I said, you have a new pastor. And I said, if you want to talk about that and you want to maybe get another guy because I, said, I have no idea, I can't tell you. It's going to look like this now or we're going this way. I said, I don't have a plan. I don't have an agenda for the first time in a long time. Hallelujah. I said, I, I don't know what to do next. Right. But if you let me stay, we're going to figure this out together. God began to do something. I started getting calls and emails. <laughs> That night, my wife and I, were, you know, we're done reading and it's dark and it's quiet. But I know she's not asleep yet, so I leaned over to her and I said, "Miss Riley, we have some awful news. Your husband Dan is gone. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> he won't be coming back." I said, "The good news is, you got a brand new husband." Yes. And I think she kind of believed it, but it's kind of like, okay. <laughs> See if the new guy's still here tomorrow or the next day, you know. And I, and I struggle with that. And I talk to Dr. Solomon, when's she going to get it? He goes, well, she's been living with you for 30 years. We need to give her another day or two. Because <laughs> you look the same and you have the same personality. So she's checking me out. But uh, the next, you know, that, that's on Sunday. Monday, then Tuesday, have staff meeting. And I just tell the staff, guys, new, and we had a whiteboard, and we had some stuff written on it. I got up and just kind of, I'm so dramatic, I just erased everything off the board, and I said, here we go. This is what we're going to start with. And I just shared with them, Romans, I'm just camping in Romans and, and you know, Colossians and Galatians, and I just read these scriptures, and they're just kind of sitting there. Um, afterwards, I walked past the college pastor's office and he says, could you come in here a second? Said, yeah. And he said, I don't, I don't want to be uh, how do you say, a spectator. I, said, I don't want to be a spectator. I said, about what? I, said, I don't know what's happening to you, but this building feels different. I don't want to be a spectator. Amen. I want in. Amen. Okay. So I draw a circle. <laughs> I start drawing on this, you know. And um, later the children's minister comes in and he's, he always knocks on the door and then just walks in. He never says, can I come in? He just walks in. He comes in and he stands there for a minute, but he doesn't say anything. So I'm kind of watching him and he, uh, he stands there. And so I, I, I finally I said his name and he goes, uh, I want to know what's happened to you. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, something's happened to you. And I want it to happen to me. And he starts crying. It was just so sweet. So I share with him. We had a leadership meeting that night. Our structure in our church is the pastors lead, but we have deacons, and they're not leaders. We don't have like a bazillion committees, but we, you know, we feel like that's a biblical role for those guys. And I'm in that meeting, and I just share with them. Here's what's going on. Guys start crying. Have you ever seen my cry at a deacons meeting? Oh. Uh, so afterwards, one of the guys called me. I can't even. I don't even know who he is because he's just sobbing. He goes, "I'm driving my truck. I'm going to wreck my truck." I go, who is this? Pastor. Whatever's happened to you, I think just happened to me. <laughs> How I was like, turn around and come back up here. So he did. And this just happens. I'm not going to exaggerate. Almost every day, Hallelujah. my counseling has changed. The way I counsel, you know, I'm, I'm doing like ten weddings because we're a young church, 
and I'm doing all these weddings, so I do counsel a couple, and, you know, and I meet these couples, and I go, hey, here's the regular deal that I do when I counsel, but here's what we're going to do today. And I start, <laughs> and I just start, and, and the Lord is just blessing that in such, a, in such an amazing way, and I just feel like I'm a kid, and I'm just starting all over, but, um, and my people will tell you, oh, he's going to wear us out, because, you know, he just keeps hammering this, but they're getting it. They're getting it. When Dr. Solomon introduced me to this idea of the Second Reformation, I realized, folks, it's crucial that it begins at this level. Um, pastors and churches, our people. Uh, I've got a lot. Of, I've got a whole new generation that that's coming up before me, and we we just constantly. Our church every four or five years, it's like a whole different church because these these kids go everywhere. They literally scatter all of the U.S. and around the world. Um, and I think I can't send them out without them knowing mm-hmm. about the crucified life. That's right. Uh, and I think there are other churches. So I I, I have no idea like what happens next. I don't know, and, and even pulling into the lot today, I thought, I've sort of collected my thoughts or ideas, but I don't know where to land this, you know, I, I don't know, and I think that's almost kind of symbolic, I was like, we're not going to land yet, we're, we're not right. going to land, it's never land. just say that part, tell your story, and say, okay, what do we do from here, where do we go from here, because there's a generation, and I can tell you, because I'm, I'm right off this campus, they don't know where they believe scripture. We don't know if the Bible's really that relevant. We, we don't know if sexual identity is that important in culture anymore. We don't know. I mean, they're struggling with issues. And I think, how did they get over here as followers of Jesus? And I think because they didn't get this. I honestly believe if they understand the exchange life, if they understand what it is to be crucified with Christ, and then nevertheless you know, die, but he lives. Mm-hmm. Jesus living through me is such, it's, it just it runs in sync, you know, it just runs yeah. parallel beside it, so it sounds the same, but every student that I've yeah. shared this with, and I, and, I, and I tell them, it's not the same. Right. You know, it's tracking alongside, so it looks and feels like that, but when they get this, it's like, boom. Oh my goodness, this is so totally different from yeah. exactly. Next. You know, yeah. I think that's how we're going to change the world. Yeah. And that's how we're going to get this generation to become biblicists, not Calvinist or Arminians or anything else, right. but just biblicists, and to be to be followers of Jesus, yeah, and to yeah. understand that it's not about, as that pastor told me all those years ago, are you gonna are you gonna live for Jesus now? No, no, no. I'm gonna die. <laughs> I'm gonna allow him to crucify me. I'm gonna get out of the way, exactly, so he can live his life through me. I've been Amen. the way so long. I've been his way so long. So I, I really have no idea how to wrap this up, so I'm just going to pray. That's what ministers do. They don't know what to do next. Ministers <laughs> pray. Uh, so I want to do that and, and just give you a blessing, and thank you so much for letting me be here. I, uh, I feel this. I'm embarrassed. I feel this is so inappropriate for me to even be up here, and you're going to be driving home going, who was that? <laughs> how did they you know, get him? Uh, let's just pray. Father, that was kind of messy, and Lord, I, I don't know where what you want to do with this moment, but I, I want to thank you for the opportunity personally. Lord, you're so gracious. As is, I'm amazed. I just, I, I'm almost um, like just in a different place, and just sort of watching and feeling this, and 
thank you so much uh, for what you've taught us and what you're teaching us. And I'm not naive enough to, to believe that everybody in this room is on board, that everybody understands this. I think there are a lot of guys, a lot of women like me, know a lot of Bible verses. Maybe they know Greek. Maybe they know everything they need to know about it. But, Father, as far as agreeing with Paul and understanding that I'm crucified, mm-hmm. and nevertheless, you live in me. And that that's what brings you glory. You don't need me. You don't need anything about me. Uh, I'm out of your way. So, Father, I pray that we could just pray, whether it's silently at these tables or me standing up in this platform, uh, just from our heart, by grace, I am fully surrendered. Not that I want to be, not that I'm going to be, uh, not that I wish I was. Father, our life is in your hands. And as big a deal as it was for people to ask us to Asked Jesus to come into our hearts. I know the bigger thing that happened was that I stepped into Christ. Yes. And that we're in you. And that's a very uh, dangerous and a very safe place all at once. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. And take us forward in any way that you choose uh, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Glory to God.